How can the Baltimore Ravens save their 2023 offseason after a lackluster start? We talk about that. Dive into the Ravens' moves they've made recently. Talk about the Lamar Jackson situation and so much more coming up next here on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostrecker, Ravens Wire, and we're here as always on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much as always for tuning in with us today, making us your first listen each and every day here on Locked On Ravens. It is free to subscribe both in audio and video form. So on YouTube, you can hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. It is free to subscribe. So be sure to support the show, support the channel. I appreciate all the support. For the show in today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by the all-new all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. We're back. It is a Purple Friday. This is the first week of free agency. It'll officially be in the books, at least for the weekday versions of that. After today, there have been four days of free agency for the Ravens. And there hasn't really been a whole lot going on for Baltimore as they continue to navigate this Lamar Jackson situation. And here to talk about all that and, of course, more with me and how the Ravens can save this offseason is Kadri Esmael, a former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver and a Super Bowl champion. And Q, I know a lot of people right now frustrated with the lack of moves Baltimore has made. In fact, they have not signed an external free agent. They made a couple of re-signings here and there. But to me, Q, this was honestly the expected outcome, not the one I wanted, but the expected outcome. What's the Lamar Jackson situation still in limbo? Yeah, I think that's the the operative word, limbo. The fact that Lamar Jackson hasn't signed, you really don't know where you're at when it comes to your salary cap, and you really don't know from a full-on direction of your offense. So outside of some guys that you know you'll have on your team, there really hasn't really been a, a need, although I'm sure there's going to be a need, but there hasn't been a need to talk about signing anybody else until we see what happens with number eight. Yeah, and to me, that's where that's where it starts. And Q, I wanted us today, at least in this first segment, to go over how the Ravens can save this offseason. Because right now, as I've kind of talked about, free agency is such a touch-and-go thing where, you know, you might have five or six plans or multiple different plans if you're Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh. But the reality is that these things happen really fast. Contracts can get signed. Teams can swoop in at the last minute. And if you don't know how much money you can allocate to X position or to Y, to y position, it can get a bit tricky. So I wanted to talk about how we can envision this team saving their offseason, especially again, after they haven't really done a ton over these first four days here. And I put out, it was right before free agency. I put out a five-step plan for the Ravens in terms of what my ideal offseason would be. And to me, Q, I don't think the Ravens offseason is completely sunk if they don't sign Lamar to an extension or find a trade, but it would really, really help if they're able to figure out just what direction they're moving. And to me, that's the most important step if they want to save this offseason, or at least have the best shot to save this offseason and open up as much money as possible. Yeah. So if we look at Lamar Jackson being signed, is it going to be a guy like the likes of Odell Beckham Jr., who the Ravens say that they're very much interested in as well as other teams? 
is it going to be, yes, uh, the efforts towards the draft of getting, you know, wide receivers that are going to be in the mix. You're going to need, you know, the wide receivers anyway, but it takes on a different focus when you do have your quarterback side. Without all that, again, it's it's a vagary. It's it's a, well, you know, we we have this money, but we're not sure what it's going to look like when it comes to the guarantees or not guarantees or what, you know, is going to be put into escrow uh, with the, the, the franchise tag, the non-exclusive franchise tag. If in fact it is a scenario where, you know, Gardner Minshew, bless his heart, but he ain't Lamar Jackson. And so if the Colts are going to be sitting there and thinking, well, we probably got a good backup in Gardner, we'll figure it out because he was, with Philly, and we know what he did with Jalen Hurts um, as a starter. Okay, he could come right in, plug in. We're going to go ahead and get Lamar. Now, that changes things up for what the Ravens are going to do when it comes to not only free agency, but in my mind, it looks like from a quarterback aspect of things, it's not a very quarterback-rich draft, and so you're going to have to be figuring out some maneuvering and figuring out who really is that guy that you're going to hang your hat on and make the fan base believe that you're in a better position now than you were in the Lamar Jackson era when he was on the team. So this, the moving parts, it, it's, that's, that's exactly what this, this offseason is. This is one of, if not the most volatile offseason uh, I have witnessed from the Ravens and, and possibly their history. Right. And the Ravens, you know, they're not a team and they really haven't ever been that's going to go out there and all of a sudden be super, super aggressive during the first couple of days of fringe. I mean, we saw it a tad last year with Marcus Williams and Morgan Moses, but usually we have to wait a couple of days for them to really get going. They let the market develop in this year. Q, to me, I know the wide receiver position, you, you talked about that. It's something that a lot of people want to see the team really look at, really add some talent into it, especially after how the last couple of years have gone. And in my kind of five-step plan, I put out there trading for DeAndre Hopkins. I know we've talked about the potential mm -hmm. of trading for a DeAndre Hopkins. Now, again, I think if you're able to sign Lamar to an extension or figure out what that situation is, it helps you with all different moves, including a trade like that. I know guys like Corton Sutton and Jerry Judy have been names that are popular on the free Asian market. You still have guys like an Odell or an Adam Thielen or DJ Chark. To me, I think though DeAndre Hopkins could be this guy that I think with every, all the frustration that we've seen, if there's a, a notification today or tomorrow or the next day that says the Ravens have traded for DeAndre Hopkins for a third round pick or a third and a fourth round pick Q. I think to me, the whole fan base, all that frustration, all that anger will be wiped away. And that all of a sudden I think would turn into excitement. Agreed. I think that's what we look at. And the grand picture of it all is the name, the name that says, Hey, we are committed to winning the name that says his resume talks about the opportunity to come up clutch in big games. The coming up clutch factor hasn't been there, obviously, the last two years where Lamar has been out and we hadn't had that clutch guy to really show out on the offense side of the ball. So, you know, if it is D-Hop, bruh, whoo. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's like all forgiven, but I know one thing that 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 would put a lot of people that like ease of like, all right, you know, we're, we're, we're listening. We're, we haven't totally 
you know, burned down the house and and forsaken all things Ravens. Uh, so I think, you know, there's there's sure there's opportunity there to restore order, but it needs to be aggressive. It needs to be a big splash. Obviously, the biggest splash is getting LJ back in the building. Um, but a, a free agent, yes, the likes of uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, that just that that's a game changer. Yeah, and, and things kind of go hand in hand when you're talking about, to me, at least the two biggest needs, which are wide receiver and corner. And to me, my ideal offseason plan for them, Q, was to be able to trade or sign that number one, the guy who you know can be that guy, that dude. And then for the corner position, I think re-signing Marcus Peters to a team-friendly deal what would be solid to have is that like corner three, maybe high-end corner two. And then you, you go into the draft, and you draft one of, you know, there could be eight, nine, ten first-round corners because the class is so deep. You go in there, and if you have a corner room of Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, and whatever corner you bring in in that first round, to me, I think for a room that right now there are real big questions outside of Marlon Humphrey. I mean, there was the flirtation on Wednesday with Darius Clay that lasted about four hours with Marlon Humphrey, and everybody got so excited. And I said, you know, imagine that secondary with Marlon Humphrey and Darius Slay and Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton. But to me, I think if you're if you're re-signing Marcus Peters and if you're drafting a first-round corner, I still think that is a fine off-season corner-wise. What do you think? Yeah, no, oh my goodness. I mean, I, I am a, a high, highly, uh, high affinity, I should say, um, fan when it comes to Marcus Peters and, and what he brings to the team. I think his energy, um, his talent, and and just his, his abilities, you know, when healthy is second to none. Um, I think he motivates Marcus Peters, um, gives the – the swagger, if you will, to Marlon Humphreys. I think they play off each other extremely well. You said about the depth of the the draft, and and this is going to be one of the more challenging drafts because it's not that many picks. So you got to really, really hone in on, you know, who you feel is going to make a a strong impact. Obviously, you also look at the fact that uh, this division is a receiver strong division. So you need some dudes. <laughs> I know we 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 know you get into shootouts, and that's today's NFL. It, it's funny. You can have a, uh, what, 28-35 game or uh, a 17-10 game. I mean, people are like, oh, my God, but it's the same. However, however, yes, you did have some excitement as far as putting the ball into the end zone. I think with a, a strong secondary and it's again, going into this division with Pickens and obviously T Higgins and Jamar Chase and uh, uh, Mark Cooper, all those guys are just studs. You know, I think the main thing is, is that you get a stop, get two stops, fourth quarter, give the ball back to your offense, something along those lines. That's where like, yes, the free agency element of it all, the, the the mental um, swagger of like, yeah, this is the Ravens, this is what they do, you know, even if it is, like I said, 35-28. Okay, so what? We gave ourselves a chance in the fourth quarter to, to put away the game, and it just took one play, and it happened. Yeah, and those two, wide receiver and corner, you know, when you're talking about shootout and stops, 
those two positions with the way this has gone, the way the NFL has gone to the big passing offense as you're throwing it 30, 40 times a game, you need to have wide receivers that can make big plays. You need to have corners that can stop those big plays. And for the Ravens, those just happen to be their two biggest needs. So coming up on our second segment, we'll continue to talk about a plan for the Ravens and a lot more still coming up here on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And the Built Marsh Madness Bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or a puff, and now is your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarshMadness.com to vote for your favorites. You know, for me, I'll be voting for the Brownie Batter Puff. And if you want the Ravens to win, you better be voting for that bar to support your team, support your bar, or your puff. And when you vote your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing for 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one Locked On fan Won a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You have to try Built. Built is the best protein bar ever. And seriously, they're so amazing, you won't even think they're good for you because they taste that good. What makes Built bars and puffs so good is, for starters, they're all high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. Run to BuiltMarshMadness.com right now to vote your favorite bar or puff. And pick up a box when you're there. You can vote every day in March. So hop in and support your favorite. We're back here. It's our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin O'Shark is still here with Kadri Ismael. And Q, when, when it comes to the Ravens and what this offseason has been, there hasn't been a lot of activity. Again, they have not signed anyone from outside of their organization. They're one of very few teams. In fact, they might be the only team at this point to not have any external free agents signed. But we talked about wide receiver, and I think a trade for DeAndre Hopkins would definitely be a huge step into saving this offseason. If you're able to re-sign Marcus Peters, draft a corner, that would also. And there's still time for that. There are still wide receivers on the market. There are still corners on the market. But then it becomes if you're able to add depth pieces along the margins. It may be some sneaky needs here and there. And the Ravens have a couple of those that have popped up over the past couple of days because they've lost Ben Powers. They've lost Josh Oliver. They've released Clayus Campbell. To me, Q, I think saving this offseason – a lot of fans would be happy if Clayus Campbell was brought back. Now, Eric DeCosta didn't rule out a reunion during his statement that he put out when the release was official, but Clayus Campbell texted Justina Anderson, and that text didn't really – wasn't a positive step in the direction that I wanted it to be in terms of if he could come back or not. See more like he was closing a chapter and opening, opening up another one. Were you surprised that the Ravens went that direction and moved on? I kind of wasn't. Um, I think, you know, that's where you put in a call to a guy like a Travis Jones and be like, yo, bro, time for you to grow up and you're going to grow up a lot faster than what you thought. Um, I think, you know, with Washington and Matabike and, um, you know, even Michael Pierce getting his contract reworked. I mean, it's like, yo, y'all, 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 we believe in y'all. We show y'all we believe in y'all now prove us right. So that's okay. Where you're going to look at your salary cap, you're going to look at, you know, the structure of what's going on. I'm sure, you know, he's like, all right, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not mad at you. I know it's business, but for darn sure, I am not going to be sitting there and acting like, oh, it's okay. I'm just going to go ahead and, and do nothing now. Yeah. Again, you know, there could be another team out there. Uh, shoot. Who's our boy? Um, Brandon Williams. Brandon got himself a ring. So he was ready. And Calais could very well be in that position where he could pick and choose. And he doesn't have to go through a training camp to get himself ready. When you that many years in the league, 
you're not doing a whole heck of a lot to get yourself ready physically or mentally. You already know. Your body has already been there, done that, been in those situations. Um, so, again, I, I, for one, am grateful for uh, the opportunity to cover, you know, Calais and, and watch him as far as, you know, epitomizing what it's like to be in a Raven. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if he if he comes – back cool if he doesn't you know i definitely understand you know that's a part of the business of football yeah and obviously you know wishing the best whatever happens whatever the next chapter is but he obviously still wants to play and, and can still give a team really good football even though this is his 16th season the way he has kind of pushed father time to the side and said no this is still my time to play it's been it's been impressive so i, I hope it's back in baltimore but if it's not, you know, again, wishing the best for Clayus Campbell. But again, I think that you got to add those depth pieces along the margin. So maybe you sign a veteran offensive lineman to compete with Van Cleveland for that left guard job. Maybe you bring in a, an edge rusher if it's not a Justin Houston, a corner we talked about, wide receiver. But in terms of those step plans to save this offseason for Baltimore, Q, I think we're in agreement that it starts with Lamar. That That's kind of the first step. And then a big splash of wide receiver. And then kind of doing your due diligence at corner, bringing back a Marcus Peters if that's the route you go, and then and then adding to that depth in the draft. Does that sound about right for you? It does. I mean, I, I think you know. It, again, it, it's your key free agents that you feel are going to help you win games. We talked about that. At the same time, yeah, of course you know what your draft is going to be. You set your board. Your board better be a good board. This better be your best board setting ever. Like, you better have the most epic of boards that other teams are coveting the board that you are looking at. That's how critical this is. This is, like, I can't overstate how incredibly important this year is for this this ball club, uh, this offseason. So I say this year, this, this offseason is to set up going into the season. You best believe NFC or the AFC North, excuse me, the AFC North is is not going to take uh, prisoners. In other words, they no one is feeling bad about what's going on here in Baltimore. No one cares. And that's where, yeah, um, you're going to have to figure this thing out. It is, it's, it, it, it is so all hands on deck when it comes to like pinching every penny, you know, you, 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 your best, <laughs> your best look at the best way possible to, to put on a product because of the fact that either you're going to do it with Lamar and it's going to be awesome, or you're going to do it without Lamar. And it, it is got to be darn near perfect. Yeah. And I think that's also where the frustration probably comes from for a lot of people where I, I think a lot of people are in agreement with UQ and this offseason is so important for them. And they're kind of in this situation. And this is the reality of having a an expensive quarterback on the books, where I think a lot of people are under the impression and agree in the fact that the Ravens didn't maximize Lamar's rookie contract to their fullest potential on the offensive side of the ball in terms of getting him a star wide receiver that is, you know, trade piece and AJ Brown, uh, uh DK Metcalf, one of those star pure number ones. Obviously, the Bills go out there and get Stephon Diggs, and DeAndre Hopkins goes to Arizona. So that's not what happened. And now the Ravens are in the situation where they're going to have to pay Lamar, you know, 
32 million this year on the franchise tag or 40 plus per year, 50 plus per year. And so that's now how important this offseason is to build a team or try to build a team either around Lamar or just restarting. But the issue is that they're in such limbo. That's the word we keep coming back to. They're in such limbo that we don't know which direction they're going to go in. I think that hinders them in a lot of different ways. But let's talk about some of the other moves. The Ravens losing Ben Powers to Denver, the Denver Broncos, four years, 52 million, a big, big contract for Ben Powers. Josh Oliver goes to Minnesota and those Vikings, three years, 21 million. I personally think he wasn't shocked both of those guys left. I think that Baltimore couldn't afford those contracts either way. But money-wise, year-wise, I was a little surprised. Not that they didn't earn it, but you know, I think that both those guys, I was thinking maybe three years for Ben Powers, two for Josh Oliver. Were you kind of shocked when you saw the money in the years? I think what we are in our uh, bubble here in Baltimore, it's, oh, wow, other teams – you know, they're, they're strapped for cash or whatever it might be when it comes to their salary cap, but they're not. And at the same time, their offenses are different than ours. Okay. So Josh Oliver, like I know for the Vikings, they really utilize their tight end. And they got a pretty innovative offense. This is like not some uh, run-of-the-mill offense. So at the same time, from a bigger picture standpoint, you know, Josh earned the right. Uh, you can say what you will about, you know, Greg Roman, but get some tight ends paid. <laughs> and I think there's 10 million reasons why if I'm Josh Oliver, I'm like, adios, Baltimore. Um, but I'm sure at the same time, I would have also been, you know, putting in a message to uh, both John Harbaugh and Eric Jacosta being like, yo, appreciate you giving me that opportunity because it wasn't happening down in Jacksonville. Now, Ben, I think he basically mentally – um, and it happens differently for everybody, but the game slowed down. The game slowed down for him and good for him. Not often do we see guys get an opportunity for the game to slow down and you cash it, you cash in on it. So good. I'm glad. I'm appreciative of, of both of those guys and what they did for, for the Ravens. Once a Raven, always a Raven, then, you know, cool. Um, that, that's something where I think, Bigger picture-wise, again, everybody has their own salary cap. Everybody is going to spend it the way they want to spend it. And the bottom line is two players, they get a chance to put themselves in position to have a, a comfortable life. They can live – they might not live like a king for a day, which is actually not a very good idea, but they could live like a prince forever. And that's something that I think is, is kudos to them for their hard work and uh, opportunities and taking advantage of it. Yeah, and I, I give both those guys a ton of credit, both of them, for a lot of people, myself included, were outside of my final 53-man rosters heading into training camp in the preseason. But, look, they worked for it. They worked really hard. They played really good football, and, and they cashed in on it. Very well-deserved for both of those guys. And coming up on our final segment, we'll talk a bit about the Ravens' re-signings, who they re-signed, what it means for the team. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a lot more to dive into on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And the midway point of the NBA season is here and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't want to just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you bet on everything from the Monday line to point scores and threes, drains. And I do have some breaking news here. The Denver Nuggets, they won the basketball game. 
Finally, the Detroit Pistons, they win that game. So if you bet on Denver to win on FanDuel, you probably made some money there. And if you bet on a Nicole Jokic triple-double, you were unfortunately one assist short, finished with 30 points, 10 rebounds, and nine assists, not 10. But there are so many more exclusive bets, like the two-by-three, which is two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance to make a pat with the same game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your nose wet first bet. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets, you can go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. It's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We are back. Our final segment of LockedOn Ravens rounding out our Friday edition episode here with Kadri Ismael. I am Kevin Ostriker. And Hugh, while the Ravens haven't signed an outside free agent yet, they have re-signed a couple of their own guys. They bring back Justice Hill on a two-year deal. They bring back Geno Stone. They bring back Nick Moore as well. Three guys who, look, Justice Hill played really well for him in 2022. I think that's a solid third running back. I know there's all the debate about the running back position and why are you spending, you know, $4.5 million on a guy for two years when you could just take a mid-round guy in the in the fourth round, and that could be just a rookie on a cheap rookie deal. I think he'll get in. I know a lot of people aren't going to be happy with this, but I think special teams-wise, <laughs> it, it was real. The gunner aspect for Justice Hill, the Ravens value that. Nick Moore, I mean, pro bowler, a good long snapper. That's a fine move for me. Geno Stone was important for me, though. I think Geno Stone played really well in the absence of Marcus Williams, started multiple games for them. These are really solid re-signings. I just think people are underwhelmed because that's really all that's happened for him this offseason so far. Yeah, well, because that, you know, that 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 that's not, you know, that's just standard operating procedure. All right. What do we think about justice? Call his agent, figure out a deal. Okay, great. Here's what it's looking like. You come into camp, make sure you do your thing. Great. Hallelujah. You got it. Have it. Uh Gino, Gino, hey, bro, we 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 appreciate what you did when it came to being ready um, with with the injury to, to Marcus Williams. Uh, cool. Great. All right. You know, that's business as usual. It's the business as usual, you know, mentality when I think, you know, if, if, if I'm looking at my uh, YouTube uh, thread every time it pops up, it's Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. You and I, we we every Thursday, what, what are we talking about? Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Lamar. And it's not, you know, that uh, he's occupying the space because we don't have anything else to talk about. It's he's occupying the space because he is the thing to talk about when it comes to what the Baltimore Ravens, like it hinges, it, the success of this team hinges upon the fate of Lamar Jackson. And you know, speaking of Lamar, Q, let's talk about Lamar Jackson. We haven't done it really yet, and I, I have a couple of things I want to run by you here because obviously you're right. It's not just like we're trying to milk every single thing we can out of Lamar for content. Like that's not what it is. It literally is something new pops up. The situation itself is so polarizing. It's one of the biggest stories in all the NFL right now, if not the biggest. And new stuff, new stuff happened this week with Lamar on Twitter. Now Adam Schefter on his show put out. You know, he was reconfirming a report from back in September, which pretty much was he reported Lamar turned down a guaranteed contract of $133 million. That number was bumped to $175 million with injuries. And then there was also that springing guarantee on the, I think it was what, the fifth day of the 2026 league year. That number would be guaranteed to go up to 200. So then, you know, the Baltimore Beatdown account put out that, you know, Lamar turned down the $200 million guaranteed. And then Lamar responds with the guy wearing a lot of hats for the cap, you know, saying that's cap. That's not true. And then kind of 
responded to that and said 133 million over three years and i need an agent with like laughing faces and then says people throw stuff at the wall and you know they try to make it stick so lamar took to twitter and, and within his own right put out contract information it was a really big deal that he ended up putting out that information and it's it's crazy because eric DaCosta kind of talked about how you know lamar and the ravens had an agreement where they're not going to put out any information and everyone's like well that's no longer a thing anymore I mean, you're kind of watching this all unfold, Q. What, what are your reactions to it? Well, I think it's interesting because from a global picture, you're looking at Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. Um, you look at Trevor Lawrence to a degree. Joe Burrow, for sure. At some point... Josh Allen again, although he just recently got paid, but that's going to come up again. I promise you that. And missing one other guy, but we'll just, we'll just keep it with those guys. Like these guys are, their agents right now are, are trying to say, well, what's the parameters that we working with? So it all hinges on Lamar and Lamar is like, I mean, Okay, that's fine, but Sean Watson got this, and I don't know where Stephen A. Smith's uh, his reporting comes in from Lamar's camp when Lamar and his mom are the only people in his camp, or you know, I don't know to the degree of the NFLPA, but you know what the Ravens did or didn't do. Plus, at the same time, what was the counter offer that Lamar gave to the Ravens, like in that? Twitter thread, you know, that's the, the bigger picture that I look at. I think this, um, the, 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 the tweeting element of it all is showing a little bit of, I, I, I think there is a little bit of frustration. I don't think there's like, you know, I'm, I'm depressed or I'm pissed or I'm salty or whatever negative, but you know, there is a little bit of like, huh, you know what? Y'all keep on putting out this and it feels to me like there needs to be more clarity on it all. And I don't know if that was strategic so other teams can get a clue um, as to what they are working with when it comes to uh, Lamar. But again, some of these teams, they're moving on, you know, whether it be the Raiders, whether it be the commanders, whether it be, you know, the jets, all that, you know, but it's, it's, it's this roll of the dice type of a mindset. Um, I think, Every time, you know, we we look at Twitter and, and seeing whether or not, you know, Lamar said something or or how this is all going to look. Very, very interesting in my mind how this is all unfolded. Yeah. And so Lamar can now talk to other teams. That deadline was, you know, he could start doing it on Wednesday. And I know people have mentioned potential landing spots, maybe the Colts, maybe the Falcons, maybe the Lions or the Texans or something like that. But Again, we'll see. It still feels like Baltimore is a very realistic possibility. But as we kind of maneuver over these next couple of days, couple of weeks, however, hopefully it's soon a resolution happens. But we'll see how that situation unfolds. And we actually did get a question here from Enonek2960, who says, do you think the NFL's criticisms of Lamar, so the style of play not being sustainable, the injury history, the offensive talent that would only work in the Ravens offense is the reason that his market has potentially been so quiet. And, you know, he says, I always believed great quarterback play is something every NFL team wanted, but that doesn't seem to be the case, I guess, because 
losing is still profitable. So I, I when you're talking about just why you think, Q, the market for Lamar has been, I guess, so quiet at this point, do you think it has to do with the injuries or do you think it has to do with the, you know, do people only think it works in the Ravens offense or the style of play? Or do you think it's more because teams don't want to give out the guaranteed money and they have to give up two first round picks on top of it? It could be all of that. Um, sure. And I think if I, for me, I think if, if I'm looking at it, it could be the laziness or the scariness of whether or not they meaning, you know, uh, a team feeling like, man, you know, what, what is it that we got to change to make, you know, it, it happen. Um, but I think that's just the the insecurity of the coaching staff. And I think, you know, yeah, it is a bit risky to um, to go out there and not kick the tires on a franchise quarterback. You did it with Tom Brady. You did it with Peyton Manning. You know, even though these guys were traditional, but ultimately they started inputting – their own offensive uh, plays and play calling and, and their comfort level. And it was successful. Um, the Broncos and the Buccaneers both have, you know, Super Bowl uh, championships. And, and because of those free agent quarterbacks, I don't see this being any different with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And it's not very often. In fact, it's very, very rare the teams have an opportunity to talk with a franchise quarterback like Lamar, the skill set that Lamar has. And again, I look, I get it. If a team says, you know, if we sign Lamar, it would, you know, take up all the cap space and the fully guaranteed deal and the two first round picks. But you know, with Lamar, you're getting a guy who has proven it time and time again at the NFL level. And you don't really get a lot of that. So I understand where people are coming from with the injuries. I'm not labeling him as injury prone. Again, both those injuries happened in the pocket, throwing the football. This was not a sustainable issue with him running and getting hit and getting hurt. That way, he did it throwing the ball. And I think that's also somewhat of a common misconception when talking about Lamar's missed all these games. But let's round out the episode, Q. Talk a bit. We'll move away from Lamar. Talk, let's talk about the AFC North because teams have been making moves in the AFC North, not named the Ravens. I think the biggest one, the most high-profile high one that people are talking about, Orlando Brown, a very familiar face in Baltimore, going to Cincinnati, four-year deal. He'll be protected. Joe, he's protected. Lamar Jackson, that Fashion Mahomes, and Joe Burrow now over the course of his career. Pretty good, pretty good list of quarterbacks there. He'll be going to Cincinnati. The Bengals did lose Jesse Bates. They lost Vaughn Bell. Hayden Hurst went from Cincinnati to Carolina. The Steelers ended up signing Patrick Peterson. They re-signed Larry Ogunjobi. They signed Cole Holcomb. The Browns have had a decent offseason. They got Davlin Tomlinson. They got Juan Thornhill as safety, so they address needs too. I mean, the Ravens' queue on paper, like we're looking strictly on paper, the Ravens, as of this recording, they're a worse team than when they started because, they one, they haven't signed anyone, and they got rid of Clayus Campbell. So that, by default, means they're a worse team on paper. But with the AFC North queue, how are you liking what those teams did, and, and what does that mean for Baltimore? Yeah, I, I think um... – there's a surge of, of confidence uh, over at Cincinnati. Um, and, and then obviously you look at Orlando Brown Jr. who signs that fat contract with that guaranteed money. My God, what do they, what do they call it? Paycor is the name of their stadium. Now they, they, they needed some uh, money and they went quickly away from Paul Brown and 
All right, now we're going to go ahead and name this stadium. Give us the money. I know this, <clears throat> that to win the offseason, for years it was the Cleveland Browns who won it. And they won it in big-time fashion. Ultimately, we saw what happened when it came to the losses and all that. And, and really, from a bigger picture of things, uh, I think you got to play the game in the regular season. Uh, sure, the, the Bengals have retooled, no question about it. Pittsburgh's been kind of quiet. I know they're trying to look for that linebacker uh, to fill that role that really they hadn't had that kind of a guy since Ryan Shazier went down with an injury. But um, you look at, you know, Cleveland, I guess Cleveland is trying to figure out how to rework uh, even Deshaun Watson's contract and, and, and do some things with that maneuvering. Um, ultimately, though, Kevin, I just know this offseason is, is one of the most unique offseasons ever uh, with, with a lot of, of uh, not just AFC North, but a lot of, like just the landscape of football, um, how it's going to look when it comes to uh, this this guaranteed money look, um, because is you know we we saw it with whether it be Darius Slay, whether it be Orlando Brown Jr., um, we saw it with a couple of other free agents. You know, they all were getting these different guaranteed money deals. And and that's man, I mean, we're 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 seeing, you know, total guarantees try to be buffered, but you could see where guys are getting, you know, larger guarantees. And and I think that it, it this is this is a turning point. It really is. The bigger picture is this is a turning point this year, this offseason, uh, unlike any other season before. Yeah, you know, the Ravens face their fork in the road, too, here with whether it is an extension for Lamar, whether they trade him, whether he plays on the franchise tag. Plenty of different paths the Ravens can go down here, but still time to save the offseason. Still time to save the offseason as the Ravens end up yeah, not doing too much over the first couple of days. But, Q, I appreciate you hopping on here talking with me. And there is one move they could make, and that is Devonta Freeman. That could save their offseason. And one fell swoop bringing in Devonta Freeman and making him four-headed monster, four-headed monster, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and Devonta Freeman. I'm not even going to say anything. I mean, I'm just not. I, I, you know, Greg Roman is no longer here, so Devonta probably is going to be like, I'm going to wait till Greg signs with somebody. Then I'm going to go ahead and offer my services because, yeah, Devonta Freeman exceeds really well when it comes to Greg Roman's offense. I'm telling you, Devonta Freeman is a Ravens legend. Darius Slay also Ravens legend for about four hours huh. there, too. So we'll see. Again, plenty of moves the Ravens still can make here. I appreciate you, Q, for more of our show. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Follow along in audio form for free. It's the same show, both audio and video, five days per week. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Coming up on Monday when we get back here, we'll be diving in to a post-free agency, post-first week of free agency mock draft Monday. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And I will see you right back here on Monday.